1: here on the shepherd radio network it's that time of the year again christmas is a big production is going to be this saturday you've heard thurlow already be on i had tim kaufman on earlier earlier this week actually and today with me right now i've got my dear friend bob pickett Bob, living in St. Louis, Grace Church there, but uh, we go back to the days when you were a part
2: of Central Florida. Yes, that's right. Mike, so good to see you again, my friend.
1: It's good to be here.
2: Well, I can't
1: uh, wait uh, just to get caught up in this program with you. And before we get into all of that, let's talk about the, the production. I know you've been with Thurlow Spur for a, a long
2: time. I'm talking about decades. Yes. Uh, since 19, we were talking about this at lunch today, 1974 is the first time I- uh, Almost 50 got, years. Yeah, I got plugged in with Thurlow. Uh, that was 49 years ago. Oh So uh, uh, now I left uh, Central Florida in 87 uh, yeah. and uh, was not involved with uh, Thurlow for about six years and then reconnected. So- uh, you know, over forty years we've worked yeah, together. That's
1: so, right. Yeah. But the span—that's—that's that's kind of in this day and age. It's an unusual span to have from beginning to where you are today. It's not over yet. You guys no. are still doing things. I know you've just uh, been a part of the big trip that Thurlow does, uh, a lot, prelude to the Orlando show right. now. Yeah. We up did, in Michigan,
2: did uh, three concerts in uh, Ohio and Michigan a week before last. And uh, we got our feet wet on the show. It's really a wonderful production. Great impact on people's lives. Um, we, we had an unexpected standing ovation in the middle of the second act where people just responded oh, uh, to, uh, to the message that we're, we're uh, sharing with the audience. Yeah. So we had a great weekend up there. Uh, and then we're here this weekend at, at Calvary Orlando, on Saturday for two shows, 1 o'clock and 6 o'clock. And then next weekend, we're in St. Louis in my hometown, and we're going to do it there for uh, for two days.
1: Yeah, so you've been doing this now for all these years. And I know, Thurlow, again, you go back to those early years. You were one of the directors, if not the original founding director. You may
2: well have been a festival of praise. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes, we started uh, in uh, March 1977. Uh, with the touring choir called Festival of Praise. We were based here in Orlando, and uh, we did our very first concert at Calvary Assembly. And uh, um, we we set out on the road.
1: Um, now, Thurlow, was uh, was he the director of music at Calvary at he, that time? He was.
2: He was yeah. music director at Calvary. And, in fact, our promotion for the tour had Thurlow's face and name on it and mm-hmm. said, uh, Thurlow Spurs, the director of the choir, and uh, so we did that first concert at Calvary, and then we went to uh, uh, Tampa someplace the mm-hmm. next night. And, uh, and then Thurlow pulled me aside that Saturday night, and he said, "Now, Bob, you know I have to be back at the church in the morning. Can you can you take this?" And I said, "Sure, I'm I'm ready to direct." And uh, and so I directed Sunday morning, yeah, and he never came back. <laughs> <laughs> he just worked himself out of a job.
1: He found the guy to do it. And you're that so, guy.
2: So uh, I, I uh, took it from concert number three on and for the next uh, six and a half years, we did about 2,000 concerts across America.
1: Yeah. And including my neck of the woods. Yeah. You were up in uh, my uh, home area and we got to see you a couple of times wow. back in the day. And of course, I didn't know you then. But I watched you then and had no way of knowing. This is the cool thing that God does this. Had no way of knowing that one day we were going to move to Orlando. Mm. Had no way of knowing when we did that Paula, Danny's secretary, was your wife. Right, right. And then we moved down here, found out that Paula Pickett is married to Bob Pickett. And then it was like, wait a minute. I know that guy.
2: We saw him years ago, and that it's, it's so funny how that happens. Uh, yeah. yeah, you came. Uh, Danny Jones's uh, the church was called Household of Faith at house- that time. Household of and Faith. Now that's right. Metro Life, and uh, he uh, uh, he had hired Paula, my wife, to be the secretary when you started the new work yeah. there. Yeah, and actually worked out at Danny Jones's house and uh, in the beginning, in yeah. the very beginning, and uh, what a, a wonderful time. And I was still involved at, at Calvary at that time. Uh, we, we had uh, the young adult ministry there was called Mainstream. You may remember Mainstream.
1: Yeah, uh, and you were the worship leader.
2: And, yeah, I led worship and, uh, and was overall the, the music for, as a volunteer there mm-hmm. at, at Calvary for about three years. Yeah.
1: Now, so you did music, obviously, as a vocation when you were with Festival of Praise. Mm-hmm. But you did this, this incredible job of leading worship. Uh, and I remember your going away night. We talked about this last year, I think. Your going away night from there before you moved to St. Louis. You did a big recording, yes, and it was like an incredible. And my friend Joel Balin, as I recall, recorded
2: That's that right. night. Joel, Joel engineered that night. We we did about I don't know an hour and a half, an hour three quarters yeah. of of all our favorite worship songs that we had been uh, leading there at Calvary with the with a, a mainstream band, um, and it was our yeah my last uh, time serving yeah. there, which uh, was so sad
1: for me. You and I had become good friends and attended church together, and yeah, man, just I, I I will never forget. You're going uh, leaving to a church that we all, although we had never gone there, we knew about mm-hmm. because of the early days of recording that the pastor. Ron of uh, of uh, the, this big church Ron called Tucker yes Ron Tucker was the uh, initial worship leader for what was going to become the Hosanna music ministry right. and all of the monthly subscriptions all the people who are listening to this today who received in the mail or picked up at a music store the Hosanna recordings yeah. that began with the blue one,
2: the yep. blue cassette. Right. Um, um, Ron Tucker uh, and uh, producer uh, Tom Brooks Yes, um, were, you know, Tom produced a series of albums at Grace Church, and uh, Kent Henry was also one of the leaders. Kent Henry, Kent man. was uh, part of our church in those early years as well. And uh, so um, Integrity picked up one of the, Grace's albums, and they released it as uh, Hosanna number two, I think it was, yeah. and uh, and the rest is history. Uh, they hired Tom Brooks to be their main producer, and uh, then he continued to record most of those albums in St. Louis with a worship team from our church and some of our, m- our musicians, and then would have a guest yeah, worship right. leader. Yeah, you had a lot of, them. of the albums. So
1: yeah, Ron Cannoli being one of them mm-hmm. back in the day, and. And another one was Jim Gilbert from the Gainesville area. And, you know, we've talked about this Jim and I did together. I had no way of knowing that he was a songwriter himself Hmm. of a song that was very special uh, to my family and to the church up in Kentucky, which went, it was a little chorus that went, I love you with the love of the Lord. Oh, yes. And he wrote that. (laughs) And he was one of the worship leaders on Hosanna as well. Oh, great one. I think the name of the album he did was Lamb of God. Wow. So I know you got to move to that church where right. all of that began, mm-hmm. and the music program there was rich, although you didn't move in, initially anyway, as the director of music there.
2: I came to develop a choir program, uh, and that was why uh, they invited me to, to do that. Uh, we had a wonderful um, staff already. Mm-hmm. In the worship arts area, Bill Bill and Sarah was the worship leader, and his uh, his wife uh, Lisa, incredible pianist, both of them. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, Bill was shifting to work in the record company, and uh, so I came in to oversee the department and to develop choirs. Uh, but within months, uh, Pastor On asked me to start doing pastoral care. Yeah, no, that was something that was not on the radar. No, uh, not for me. And, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, he you know, I said, now I want you to do some hospital calls. Well, I think I had done one hospital call in, in all my life before then <laughs> to visit somebody that was a patient. It happened to be one of my singers. And uh, so uh, with one of the uh, elder uh, pastors and I went out together to get a feel for that. And, uh, and then I started doing weddings and, um, and some counseling. And then uh, he asked me to take over the uh, young, the marriage couples yeah. ministry. Yeah. And so we worked with that for a number of years. And after um, seven, eight years of doing primarily music, and, and also I, I taught at our Christian school, I taught the choir program there, and so Pastor Ron asked me to move out of music totally and over into pastoral care and that's my main focus now for the last almost 30 years. Um and uh, and at the time my son Benjamin was 1 year old. Yeah. And one of my assignments was to oversee the senior adults. So here I am uh, a dad, dad with of a 1 with, year with old. A brand new baby. Yeah. And I'm working with the seniors, I'm thinking this is really not a good match, yeah. but I discovered that it was a great match. And uh, I love, our group is called XYZs, which stands for Extra Years of Zest. And our, oh, it's that's our, great, X- Bob. XYZs has uh, an incredible uh, group of senior adults, and we uh, we um, have a dinner every month, and a, then we do a day trip every month. And once a year, we'll do an extended out-of-town yeah. three-day trip. And, uh, for now that's almost 30 years. I've been working with, with XYZs. Um, uh, we, for many years had about 25 to 35 people in our meetings. Well, this year it's like exploded. I'm running 70 to 75 at, at every one of our dinners. Every trip is full and, uh, it's, and of course now i'm qualified so. yeah that
1: well that's right you know baby boomers are getting older that's right and they're there mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens even the next couple of years but why i love your story so much you are one of the examples of people who go through what i like to call a, a, like a heavenly reassignment things that you were so well uh, known for and so good at leading these choirs, you did that professionally with festival and then working locally here in Orlando, helping out at, at the church. And, and then you're hired to do it. And you think that's going to be what you're going to do. And even though you had done, like I said, you weren't hired to be the worship leader, but you had been a worship leader before. Mm-hmm. Yes. And those are things that were all in your wheelhouse. And then here comes God through Ron asking you to do something That's out of what you expected.
2: Yes. And And I
1: I think he does that to us from time to time.
2: And it's very interesting because Ron, when we had that meeting, he said, we see in you a pastoral gift. And again, that came out of the blue because it was not something that was on my radar. But after after I stepped into that office, um, it was obvious that God had placed in me gifts and talents that, um, that I do that well. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so that's, that's the joy of following what God says. Mm-hmm. And then after another six, seven years, we had another staff change and Ron called me in and said, could you take over the choir again? And so now for the last 11, 12 years, I've been doing the choir once again and, uh, but I'm not over the whole department, which is a much heavier, mm-hmm. um, weight and of uh, responsibility, uh, than having, um, than just doing the choir. So I love doing choirs and and it's my joy to do that. Then the other thing that's happened during that time, um, you know, I've been with Thurlow all these years in 2002, uh, we took a group to, um, Hawaii and, uh, um, from our various choirs, people together, we went to Hawaii together. It was a wonderful time. About three months before that I had lost my voice. I totally lost my voice. I couldn't sing. Uh, uh, when I taught my classes, I could make it about 15 minutes and then I'd run out of voice. Mm. And I went to various doctors trying to figure out what was wrong. And, uh, But it was it was all the ENT guys, ear, nose, and throat guys. But they were all nose guys; they weren't throat guys. (laughs) (laughs) And so finally, got I got recommended to to go to this throat doctor as a specialist. And I went into his office, and I was the first appointment of the day. I'm in the lobby, and I'm picking up the magazines there. There, and it was all about singers. And on the wall, pictures of famous singers that are his. Patience. Wow. And so I, you I found knew the, right I guy. the right guy. Yeah. And it turned out I had a blood blister on my vocal cord that was hindering the ability to, to sing. Not a nodule, but a blister. A blood blister, right. Nodules are more dangerous mm-hmm. and, and uh, have killed people's voices, you know, damaged them permanently. Mm-hmm. But this was a blister that had blood within it. And he scoped it out, saw it, and he said, well, I can take care of that. And so... It literally, uh, scoped down my throat, burst the bubble and, uh, put me on voice rest for about two and a half weeks. And when I came out of that was when we went to Hawaii and, uh, we were in Hawaii and, and, um, I was in charge of the Sunday morning worship and there were, uh, I don't know, maybe two busloads of people, 50, 60 people. And, uh, so I just sat down on the piano and for the first time in three months being able to sing, I just led some worship and it just, it was like God poured his spirit on me to be able to do that again. So when I came back to the church after that trip to Hawaii, I started a Tuesday noon prayer meeting that is just worship. And it's me at the piano for an hour of worship and prayer in our prayer chapel. And uh, that's been going on for 10, 11 years now. Um, every week, sometimes we have one person or two, sometimes we have 25 or, or 30, uh, but it's a a sweet time. And, uh, I don't know if, if you see my Facebook, but every Tuesday and Wednesday I post a song. Yep, I've seen it many times from the prayer meeting. And, uh, it's just, uh, an opportunity to God giving me that, Mm mm-hmm that gift in a different form than, yeah. than you might have thought it in the beginning.
1: So. One of the songs that you did, it was one of my favorite worship songs that back in the day was think about his love. Mm. And I've heard you do that one before. Yes, And, uh, it's just such a great, I know I had the privilege of, uh, playing bass, uh, with, um, Don, uh, from Hosanna, Don Moen, and other singers that, uh, I know you covered so many songs from some of those early Hosanna albums as well, mm-hmm. what, what you did at Mainstream. yeah. And that worship, that time of worship was really super special. It was like God was revealing to the church freshly, uh, and we're having restored, I believe, corporate worship. Yes. And you, you were right there, Bob. You were right doing all of that. Right here in Central
2: Florida, yeah, we were, and we had a great group. and And I remember my band was uh, Ron Munizzi and Danny Munizzi and oh, Joni my Munizzi. Those guys are amazing. Uh, Jesse uh, Holmes and uh, Dan Mulvaney and yeah. uh, uh, Tina Shirley. A oh. Great group of musicians and singers and pastors now in this area. Yeah. and uh, what a what a blessed uh, group of musicians we shared together in leading worship and. And uh, talk about I Munizis, mean, of course, Martha and, and their sister Mary were teenagers, and they were sitting in the audience watching our worship time. And, yeah. uh, what a blessing it is. there, Absorbing talents. it all yeah. and,
1: and getting ready for what they were going to be doing. Mm-hmm. It's really tremendous, and I'm grateful for the heritage you have. I'm also grateful for the impact that you've had in this area in music. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how many young adults. That was a big ministry during those days at Calvary. So there are, without a doubt, hundreds of people that would each have a story mm-hmm. that they could mark impacted by you. Wow, wow, that's yeah, pretty amazing, that's, brother. It is God. <laughs> it is God, my friend Bob Pickett is my guest. We'll be back in a moment to talk about uh, not only Christmas is, which he's a big part of, but also uh, other things going on in the ministry that Bob is uh, sharing now in St. Louis. When we get back, this is Afternoons with Mike. You're on the Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of five rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, Call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses were offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Bob Pickett is with us. Bob is one of the amazing singers and directors of the choir. In fact, a whole bunch of people from St. Louis
2: are coming in. How many are you bringing with you? Uh, we have 10 adults and... Seven children that will be on stage, and one of our trumpet players also be a part of this show uh, this Saturday at Calvary Assembly. Yeah. This is the Christmas is. Thurlow Spur and Kathy have put together an incredible production. Uh, we have the choir, Miss Kathy's Academy for the Performing Arts, which is our teens and kids. Uh, we have a, a full orchestra and uh, dancers, professional dancers, aerialists. Um, Santa's going to be there. The second (laughs) half is, is the story of Jesus life. Just incredible uh, way to tell the story where we go to the Bethlehem Inn, just a few years after Jesus resurrection and gather the people that knew him best and their lives have been changed by him. And they tell their stories and it gives us an opportunity to take us back to the, to the manger, but also all the way to the resurrection. Yeah. Uh, in how we tell the story with drama and uh, music.
1: And it's not, this is the neat thing. If you saw last year's show, even though some aspects, some features
2: will look very similar, what's not similar is a lot of new music. This... Yeah, all different music than last year yeah. or the year before. And I think the only thing we do the same is Amen to close it, but all the rest of the show is different stories, different dramatic uh, scenes, and, uh, uh, just a beautiful new production, and uh, I know Thurlow has other things beforehand out in the courtyard. Uh, with I don't even know what it is, but you got to come an hour early. Oh to yeah, catch on well I can up, tell you there. a few
1: of those things uh, are included. Would be for the kids outside. There's a petting zoo. Okay. They have face painting that's going to be going on uh, inside the lobby. Uh, Walter Rodriguez oh, Jr. Yes, the guitarist, an amazing guitar player. Yes. He, he is just great. Does everything from jazz to classical. Uh, the guy is a, a strong believer and loves the Lord. And he's from the Miami area. He'll be there. Uh, they've, like you said, they've got things uh, that really bring the 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 holiday season, the joy of Christmas, right here in the hearts with music. That is incredible. You mentioned a full orchestra. I know, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's a lot of the local people that you would have known back in the day. Terry Winch Terry, yes. uh,
2: will be there. And then Bruce Hughes, I know, you know, Bruce, Well, uh, Bruce was on the road with me and yes, he was at Calvary for many years. Yeah. Bruce is at the piano along with Jerry Nelson. Yeah. Uh, duo piano, uh, features in the program, and yes, Terry Winch, who was at First Baptist Orlando for oh for a number of years, uh, is leading our, our orchestra. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful show.
1: So you've got all of that going on. And there's on top of it that now, Thurlow announced for Black Friday had a, a, a special, we buy two tickets and you get two free. Yeah. So you can find out all that information. Cindy and I will be there in the second show again, looking forward to watching you, Bob. And- of course, our daughter Stephanie
2: sings in the Thurlow Spurs Singers, right? She's uh, and she is also doing some acting in this in the second act this year. And Chris is uh, uh, her
1: husband Chris, is yeah, the,
2: is the innkeeper, I believe, yeah, again this right. year. So I'm excited to see Chris too. Uh, yes, wonderful all the way through, and again, different music from last year. Um, and we have lots of seats still available, so they can get them um, online at Christmases.us. And uh, phone number is one sing, 993 sing 993s uh, So folks, and you can get him at the door, too. That's right. Yep. Now,
1: if you've just tuned in, this is Bob Pickett. Uh, Bob has been a part of the music scene in Orlando for many, many years. And how did you meet Paula, by the way?
2: Ah, uh, Paula, well, we met on the bus. Okay. Oh, she was
1: a singer yeah. and Paula came oh, on, a, on a tour with Festival of Praise.
2: <laughs> oh, that's great. And, I've forgotten uh, that. Yeah, she, uh, at Festival of Praise, a touring choir made up of people, just ordinary people took yeah. their vacations with us. So every two weeks we had a whole new group of singers come and join us. And she came on a two week tour and we, uh, connected during that two weeks. And at the end of the tour, I said, goodbye, I pray never see you again. And. And then phoned her that night, and and uh, the rest is history. We, yeah. we got married a year later. And, and she's from Indiana. She's from, uh, yes, from uh, Lafayette, Indiana, is yeah. where she lived at that time. Her fa- her family's in uh, petroleum, which is, nobody knows where that is, but it's... Uh, N-
1: and that doesn't mean they're in oil or anything, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> no, they are Petroleum in, Indiana, Indiana, huh? Petroleum Indiana. Oh, yeah. that's My dad tough. was a farmer there, and uh, uh, Paula's the youngest of nine, so we have many, many... Uh, nieces and nephews and grands yeah. in that area so. yeah
1: that's right and you mentioned that you have a son benjamin that Ben's, he's an adult now benjamin's 30 years old wow so, yes, oh. yes. and the funny thing is paula and and possibly you as well uh, served our family as babysitters when uh <laughs> we were here in
2: those early years yes uh, it's a story there. I don't know if I told it oh, last time. I, yeah, you might have, but I, it's worth telling you, uh, again. I'm sure. We talked about this over over lunch with your <laughs> uh, with Stephanie last week. Um, Paul and I had been married for uh, maybe uh, six, seven, eight years by this point, and uh, we didn't, we didn't, we were afraid to have children. We didn't want children when we'd been on tour. We couldn't have children in that setting, and so we had kind of put it off. And then we had when we left the road our marriage had kinda of blown up and God restored it. Yeah. And uh so Paula working for your church, um um all the pastors, the three of you all headed to Virginia, Maryland mm-hmm. or for f- a conference. For a conference for four or five days. And um, and so you asked Paula if she would house sit and sit your two children, Stephanie and David. And uh David was I mean three or four mm-hmm. so definitely about seven yeah. or eight and uh so paula was all excited and she had she was making plans she was really never a babysitter so this is not something that she was used to but <laughs> she had all all the stuff ready and and i remember taking her to the house uh, monday morning dropped her off everybody's happy and smiling and she went in, and was going to have fun with the kids, and, <laughs> oh, and I went to my I went to my office. I worked about two hours, about eleven thirty. I get a phone call from Paula, and she said, "I don't know what to do. I've used up everything I planned to do. What am I going to do the rest of this week?" So, but it was a wonderful time, oh, man. and uh, we had a great time with Stephanie and David, and uh, and that was the catalyst to, to tell us that we could be parents. And oh, caused, come on, yes, and caused us to say maybe we should oh, try, I'm so glad try to, to have children. Thank
1: God for that. Yes. Yeah. I know that, you know, well, David at that age, uh, might have been just the opposite for you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I'm really glad that he wasn't a deterrent in no. any way to you becoming a parent, <laughs> but that's great. No, I loved, uh, I love that season, you know, Bob, the, and I know you feel this as well when you're in that season, there's this false sense that you have that it's always going to be like this. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids are always going to be a same age and yeah. you know, you, you, you can't imagine 12, 15, 18 years down the road. And, and then, you know, after those times, so we had two more kids and then now we've got four and they were 14 years apart from the oldest to okay. the youngest. Yeah. And so we had them in between and, you just never can imagine that you're going to be past that season mm-hmm. when you're a young parrot. But I know with Benjamin, like you said, he's 30 now. Yeah, so 30, you, yeah, and- yeah. You went through that uh, with
2: with his leaving the house. I know he was a basketball player. He was. Yeah. Yeah. He was a basketball star in high school. And, yeah. A big, big guy. Yep. Yeah, six foot four. And, uh, in Christian school, that was, that was big. You know? Yeah. And, <laughs> and they were district champions two years. And yeah, he had a, yeah. a real good career there. didn't play ball in college, but yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, I know that was an exciting time and, yeah. and you yeah. and I both finally, before we return to talk about some things and, uh, that I want to share and hear from you on, uh, but we're both Cards fans to this day, and but you're a serious Cards Cardinal fan. You're Jaguars, right
2: there. You saw my Cardinal jacket. I wore yeah, in here today. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I love St. those Cardinals. Even though we had our worst season in 33 years. Oh, this it was year. awful. But, uh, I yeah, hated it, it for was, them. It was bad. But but they've just signed Sunny Gray, and they're they're uh, turning things around this this off season to bring the pitching back. But we have had some incredible players with Pouhols and and Wainwright and. Uh, uh, Molina, that all three retired over yeah. the last two years, yeah. were just all champions and all strong believers. There's uh, for the last decade anyway. There's been a core of Christians that are members of the not just the team but the staff as well, and that has impacted our community. So oh, yeah, it's wonderful. I love I love baseball fans and baseball Cardinals. And, yeah. And we get a chance to go to many of the games in St. Louis. I'm still waiting for you to come to town. I know what I need to do
1: that, man. We've got to do that because it's been a long time. I was at the original Bush Stadium Mm -hmm. when I was a kid and twice, went there twice, got to um, be a part, got to see Casey Stengel Mm -hmm. play the cards when Mm -hmm. he was with the Mets. And then I went the second time I went, the Cubs played. So you talk about... Uh, and a rivalry that, there. You have the Cards and the Cubs, that man. Is a big rivalry. It, it yes. doesn't get any bigger than that. Right. And I got to see all of that. But my goodness, it is fun. And David took me uh, years ago for my birthday. He took me to see. Uh, I was when I was up in Gainesville. I yeah. came down. We went to a cards game in spring training, okay, and I got to watch Wainwright pitch oh, oh, back my. then, my. and uh, I, I we were sitting right behind the catcher, right there, like I don't know three rows up from the catcher, yeah. you know it was and watching that that um that fastball of his come in clocking a hundred, you know <laughs> that was something else. I'd never seen anything wow. like that before, wow. so oh my goodness, I love it. Bob Pickett is my guest today. Bob, you found yourself in ministry. Here you are. You're doing things that you never thought that you would do, and you've been doing it, like you said, now for 30 years. What are you seeing happen today? I know there's so many people. Our culture is, in many ways, at a crossroads right now. We're in kind of problems in our country. We've got some really big issues, the stuff that's going on in the world with Israel, uh, you've got a bunch of young people that are kind of, you know, we, we're hearing stories and statistics and surveys saying that young people are not feeling the same way about church that they have historically mm-hmm. felt. This is the time that we need a revival
2: of faith. What are you seeing? Yes. Well, I, I tell you, we are we are a church, Grace is, that is addressing the culture. Uh, we have a um, segment of the service right before the sermon where Pastor Ron and uh, Pastor Wes will come out and we call it the watch and pray moment. Mm. And uh, scripture tells us in the end times we need to watch and pray, see what's happening in the world and address it. And so from uh, COVID to um, the vaccines to uh, the liberal woke agenda of our society, uh, what's happening in, in the government, uh, we have addressed that from the pulpit, and it's challenged our people to wake up to what's happening around us and to, to be salt and light, to be the voice to the world of the hope that because the, the country seems to be going down and our hope has to be in Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. And that's uh, that's where our focus has been now for several years. And the other part of that that is, so key to us as a church is the importance of prayer. Um, and we have now uh, three one-hour prayer meetings a week and then two times a year, sometimes three times a year, we take a whole week. We call it a prayer sprint where we have prayer meetings uh, 6 a.m. noon and 6 p.m. every day and hundreds of people come just for an hour of worship and prayer uh, as we uh, uh, approach God and seek uh, his voice to be heard and direction for our country and uh, and the world, but even more so for people to be saved and yeah. come into the kingdom. Of course, there was a revival that broke out at uh, at Asbury this year, and some of our folks went down to experience that. Um, just amazing. Course, that's your territory down mm, there in, yeah. in Kentucky. There, yeah. um, what uh, what God is doing, and it's and it spread to other campuses yeah. and. And sprung up again here a couple months ago at Auburn, I think it was. So we've seen uh, God affecting the next generation now, and it's so important. We're yeah. we are so close to losing Generation X and and Z. Um, the the kids have been brainwashed by the the liberal. Um, education system. If they're yeah, in public colleges school, full college, of oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, universities, uh, are scary to send your children yeah. to universities, um, unless there is a, a, powerful, godly perspective on it. So, so that's, that's what we are facing in our church and seeing as a result of taking that stand, um, seeing many people drawn to start attending grace because they just weren't being, um, encouraged or fed or, educated about where we are in the world and mm-hmm. where the church needs to be uh, as a result of that. We had people leave because of that too because they didn't want to hear yeah. uh, the things that are going on in the world. So
1: so often when young people, 18-year-olds, they head off to college and they may go there with a with a fairly decent experience and maybe level of relationship with the Lord and they get the college and they're shocked and I think a lot of parents are unaware Mm -hmm. of what you speak of, of the level of, uh, you know, inculcation of the world into these colleges, indoctrination Indoctrination, into some of the leftist Mm -hmm. uh, progressive type of mindsets and thoughts. What advice would you have to parents who have an 18 year old or maybe a grandparent who has a grandson or granddaughter that's that age? What advice do you give them?
2: Well, I tell you, Mike, um, I, I would not send my child to a public university unless there was a way to d- discern what their mm. doctrine is. It's just, it, it, it's scary today. Um, my advice would be learn a trade, get into the trades you Oh know, my goodness, yeah. or, or find a place where they can be in ministry or trained for ministry. Yeah. Um, and, and, but we need. We need people in all the seven mountains. We need Christians in in every area of leadership in the world um, so that we can have that influence and and save the world before it crashes and burns. You know,
1: Charlie Kirk Mm -hmm. says the very same thing, and he goes from coast to coast visiting campuses Mm -hmm. and telling them, look, you need to get into a trade rather than just lose your kid to a university, you know, you got to do it. And I know we have a lot of university loving people in the Gainesville area, especially Mm -hmm. that listen. And I'm, I'm a Gator and I, I love uh, the Gators, but I tell you, I love my kids more. And you've, you've got three kids that graduated from there. They're still serving the Lord. And I think every parent must be aware and and
2: watch over. We had Charlie, at our church, um, several months ago and a number of the speakers from his uh, organization have been through our church and just um, people are waking up and it's it's so important that we know that but yes and you know the most important thing is that our children receive Jesus as savior and then um, get discipled, so they they have an understanding, so they can defend their faith mm-hmm. if they're going. Not that we can't send them out into the world because we have to go. Yeah, into the they've got to be in the world, but they, yeah. but they have to um, know what they believe and how to defend themselves, uh, defend their faith in that setting, and then to also share the gospel to be yeah. able to do that. So.
1: Man, it's been great to have you up here, my friend. This time has gone by way too quickly. Uh, Bob Pickett is going to be featured at Christmas Is 1 o'clock and 6 o'clock this coming Saturday at Calvary Orlando. And that uh, website for tickets, you can get a great deal on them right now, my friend, is christmasis.us. And that phone number, Bob? 1-800-993-SING. 993-SING. All right. Tell Paula we love her. We will. All right. And thanks for being with me. We love you Mike. And you, my friend. We'll be right back. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes,
2: visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095.
1: Back again here on the program, we're going to dig into the archives from earlier this year with a local talent named Connie Albers. She's a spokesperson on Channel 35 Fox here in Orlando. Here's my interview with Connie Albers. Always enjoy having Connie up here. She brings, I think, a wealth of both biblical knowledge and just good old common sense. And Connie, I've mentioned it before in this program If there's anything that's in short supply in America today, it's common sense. I mean, what in the world? I mean, people, I believe this. I believe that the bulk of people in America still believe the way I believe, Mm -hmm. the way that I believe we're our grandparents believed. Uh, We are being persuaded, however, by the groups of those that are in maybe some of the bigger bluer cities and these influential areas. We're being told what to believe. And a lot of people are going, uh-uh, I'm not there. And I think that battle is yet to come. I think the real, the work that uh, is going to be wrought one day is, may not be that far away. Mm. But, but those opinions of those Americans, if I'm right, they're going to come out in some way, some form, some fashion. And uh, I I, uh, I hope that when they do, their voice is loud and clear and they would be like what happened in Loudoun, where the people say, no, we're going to be involved and we're going to change. Then if this is our elected officials, we're going to vote differently.
0: Yeah, we do. You know, our country was built on uh, our, our country wasn't built perfectly and it wasn't start. It didn't start off exactly the way it should be. Nothing ever is there. It's it's always you're trying something and you adjust and you grow as you learn and so, but the ideals that America would come together, that we would be one nation under God, that that is the ideal and the tug and turn of of the Civil War and and what's happened in our society, uh, there have been and with the Martin Luther King um, movement, the civil rights movement, those are all. Turning points. Those are all pivoting, defining moments in our history, and we're in that now. But I do want because we've had such great conversation about other things. I do want to kind of like let's get granular and let's talk about we we have to raise our children. We even though the national birth rate is down, par- people are choosing not to have children for a variety of reasons, and that's not what our program is today. But for for those of us that have children and grandchildren, we still have to live in the society as it's going through a change. Mm -hmm. And so I was recently doing um, some segments on, you know, teaching our children to work in the marketplace. I was recently in Idaho and I had to take a picture of this, but I walked into the the hotel and the lobby was a big sign that said, we are in a global labor shortage. And I just looked at that. (laughs) And then underneath (laughs) it with a little curly cues underneath it, it said, Please be kind to the people who show up.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: And Mike, that caused great pause yeah. to me. Are we at that point where we we don't even know how to treat people anymore, that we're so demanding or we're so off-put? And you mentioned in our other segment about, offend, are we so offended by absolutely everything that we can't work with people. We can't get along. We we don't even show up for work. That's happening not just in the state of Florida, it's happening across the globe, It is Um, certainly in America. And I often say, well, where did all the workers go? Which is not the topic of our conversation, but my segment has been on helping your kids adult really and that starts with summer employment that starts with teaching them work ethic that teaches them soft skills and hard skills problem solving customer service you know how many times have you made a phone call and and whoever's on the other line or in front of you they don't know how to to deal with any conflict they don't know it's like i'm not i'm out of here i'm not i'm not putting up with this well there is something to be said about learning in your teens and college years how to think, how to process, how to, to set that alarm and get out of bed so that you are not late to work. It's not their gift. to You're not their gift to the marketplace. You're going to work for a company unless you're starting your own. And there's expectations of you. And that's what we have to keep instilling. Because while our country is going through this tug uh, and tussle, commerce still has to happen people still have to go to work Mm -hmm. people still have to get paid and pay their bills while they go to a city council meeting or they go to a zoning meeting or whatever school board meeting whatever it is that they're they're wanting to have their voices heard we still that's the granular level that we're all facing you go to the grocery store with your children and you teach your children to smile and say hello you teach your children to you know conduct themselves in a manner that is fitting in a society those are the challenges that we still have to face and that takes a lot of our time when you say we've lacked common sense it starts in our home mm-hmm. and it starts with conversation
1: i agree and i think it starts with parents mitigating the uh, involvement of their kids time in things like social media. And uh, there's a lot, I'm reading a lot. It's not just locally from one source, but I'm hearing and reading a lot of tweets about uh, calls being made on parents to not get their kids when they're young a phone. Because that phone becomes the gateway. It becomes the open window to just about everything that's evil and dark in the world. It just comes right into their house. I had one person at the NRB uh, they express it this way. They said we would never have that kind of people as a guest sitting around our kitchen table, but we invite them in every night yeah. through the phone.
0: I struggle with this uh, partly because I've been involved in social media since it's since Zuckerberg started Facebook and even before that. But let's just say Facebook was in most cases the beginning. And my one, my son had an account, and I was like, I noticed him clicking off and on. And, and I started doing my own research and I became fascinated because my background in marketing and public relations made me think, wow, this is a great way for businesses to be able to get their brands out to the consumer. And that's how I initially started thinking about it. And then I started watching my kids respond to it. And I thought, oh. There's a whole nother element. It hit a different level with them. So here's my, here's where I've gone. I, for years, I spoke publicly about helping your children learn to create a positive social footprint to now there's so much um, perversion and uh, propaganda being spit out to our children, it's hard for our kids. So I, I'm actually, I'll be speaking on Thursday on this very topic. What's Facebook's, you know, Snapchat, TikTok, what's a family to do? I did a show for, uh, Fox on a new, um, TikTok trend. That's taking kids lives and, you know, kids do crazy things. They make sometimes their risks, they don't calculate the fact that they may not live to have another, you know, crazy wild time. But I say this because this is the conundrum parents are facing. Mm -hmm. I have worked with kids for about 30 years, uh, teens and college kids. And what I have found is if you, if you completely limit access, when they get that phone at 17 or 18, they go berserk. They do not know how to harness the unbelievable power that lies within their, the palm of their hand. Mm-hmm. And they get themselves in all manner of trouble because they're not, they're not savvy enough. Then they're the ones that do give their kids a phone, and the children go underground. They go incognito. They have hidden apps. They click on things they shouldn't, and they usher in a whole new host of issues that parents have to work through with their children. So there isn't a, in my mind, in my opinion, There's not a hard, fast rule. You really have to know your child. Mm -hmm. You have to be present. Communication is key. And you have to figure out what what is the purpose. And I always tell parents, Mike, what's the purpose of what you're doing? And get to the why. If kids want to have, and some kids could care less, but there's some that are just naturally, they want to know about the world. They They want to have a voice. They want to be heard. When we step back as a parent and say, Some of my kids want to have more of a voice. Some of them have a lot to say. They need a place, a platform, and that's what some of these social media uh, outlets do. They give them a place to share their thoughts and feelings and, and process the world around them. So how do we balance that? One of the things I have been able to help parents do is figure out what's the purpose of why that child wants it. Is it FOMO or they feel like they're missing out? Are they being peer pressured? Are their kids all saying, oh, well, you're not allowed to have one because your parents are so strict. Well, now the kid hates the parents and now they hide it. They go to their cousin's house or their grandparents' house. But what can we do to help our children find a cause or a purpose that if they did use it, that could have, allow them to have a voice and a say, maybe it's for the Red Cross or the Pug Society or the Humane or whatever Humane Society, whatever it is, that they could lend something that would be of value because technology is not going away. No matter what we do, these platforms aren't going anywhere. They know how to manipulate us. They know how to addict us. They know how to steal our focus and make us not pay attention mm-hmm. on the people that are in front of us.
1: And that's not just kids. No, that's, that's, that's adults too. Yes,
0: there, there, there. That's it's it's real. There's a lot of documentaries written, or like uh, documentaries, books written about it. It is real. It is a real battle. Yeah. And it is one that parents can't put their head in the sand and say hard and fast no or yes. There's got to be a, It depends and when, right. And how,
1: yeah, I get it. And then your parents
0: don't read your kids. Then don't read, you know, rebel against what you're saying. And, and they understand, Hey, I, I'm not trying to be the proverbial killjoy here. I, I, you're going to grow up one day and you're going to exit this home. And we want you to be able to navigate and compete in the arena of ideas, even on tech, even with technology, um, But we can't go into it blindly.
1: Right. And that's why I use the word mitigate. We've got to get through these. I agree with you. This technology is not going to go away. Facebook is probably going to change as it has been changing. It's not the same as what it was. I mean, we had MySpace before Facebook. Mm -hmm. And that was a place where a lot of bands, my kids had a band and they would put sites on there. And I began to realize that this was being used more than marketing their music this space. And that's when we, we started becoming aware. But we would be of that camp that we didn't disallow having any access, but we, we definitely mitigated the amount of time right, and how and where they spent that time on the phone. Yes. And if we don't do anything in that direction at all, I fear for what's you know, what you said, they're, they're going to go underground. They're going to take it. That's what's happening today.
0: And then their lives are being, I can't tell you the countless story of These young people's lives that are being destroyed because they aren't uh, cognitively, emotionally mature enough to spot somebody who may be targeting them. Mm -hmm. And if you have a child that's insecure and they they want to hear that, oh, you're pretty or you're so smart. And there are people that will pretend to be somebody that they're not and say just the right things and make them feel all special And slowly, and it's done just like a little drip in a faucet, one little drip at a time. And then your child does things they would normally never dream of doing and find out. And I I recently heard a news story of a mom telling me where her daughter did something that she never would have dreamed she would have done. Mm -hmm. It went viral and it did not end well. And these these are real things. Not to be afraid. We cannot let fear. God says we are not to be gripped with fear that we are to be of sound mind. So mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, aunts and uncles be of sound mind, be discerning, know the children and know why they're doing what they're doing.
1: Just this morning, I was reading Ecclesiastes and uh, there Solomon is so wisely saying, look, I withheld nothing from my eye, what I had. And, and I, so I took it all in. And what do you have at the end of the day? You have nothing but vanity. Mm. It's all wasted. It means nothing. And that's what we've got to teach our kids, that the stuff that we feel, that they feel is so critical, it's so important. Look, it's got to be mitigated. It's got to be weighed against what is true. The age-old question, what is truth? Pilate asked, well, the truth is the word of God. Jesus is truth. That's what we've got to hang with. Connie Albers, thank you for coming in today. We got to have you back again and hear about your journeys, your travels, your speaking at all these conventions. It's really exciting. God's using you. Thank you for being out there.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: And friends, we thank you for being with us today. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.